0: Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We sing that song, I want more of you, God. Can I just tell you something this morning that you can have more of him when he can have more of you? We come to the altar and sing, I surrender some. And really what he's looking for is for us to say, I surrender all. Amen. You get a fire set down in your spirit. Make you do fanatical things for the Lord. But I'll tell you what, it's sweet, sweet, sweet. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Before you seat this morning, uh, turn around, shake hands with somebody, and welcome them to the house of the Lord this morning. Tell them you are glad that they are here at Elevation Worship Center. went to sleep before I started. (laughs) I'll probably wake you. Well, good morning, everyone. We're glad to have you here in the house of God this morning. Thank you for coming. Appreciate all of you being here. And uh, I have a bunch on my heart this morning. Not really sure Where to start, but I'm going to have you turn first of all over to the book of Luke, chapter 11. And uh, we're going to begin reading with that first verse, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And this, of course, is a familiar passage of scripture. But I'm going to read down through verse number 4, and then we're going to turn to Matthew and read there as well. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said unto them, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth or so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now I'm going to ask that you turn to Matthew chapter 6. And we will read Matthew chapter 6 beginning with verse number 9. Same passage of scripture. Jesus is teaching them how to pray. And he said unto them, after this manner therefore, Matthew 6, 9. After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven. And I'm going to stop reading right there, ask that you just bow your heads and let's pray together and ask the Lord for his anointing and ministering the word of God today. Father, we are so thankful that we have opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. We are thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit that we feel. And Father, I come to you this morning asking for your grace and your mercy and for your divine ability to help me as I deliver what I feel that you have placed upon my heart. I would ask you this morning, Lord, to give me unction to function. Without you, I readily, completely admit I can do nothing. I am inadequate in my own self. But if you will anoint me and if you will bless me to be a blessing, then I know that your children will be blessed this morning by your word. I pray that everything that is said and everything that is done will be done to glorify Jesus and to edify the body of Christ. Touch our hearts. Teach us this morning to pray. Teach us the burden that goes with prayer. Help us this morning, Father, to grow in our relationship and in our experience with you. For all of these things, we will be eternally grateful and eternally thankful. We ask Him in Christ's name, and everyone that is in agreement with that prayer, said, amen. So this morning, I am going to begin a series of sermons, and I don't know how long we will go, but I'm going to begin a series of sermons talking about prayer. How many of you believe that we live in a time when God's people need to pray? So what does the Bible have to tell us about prayer and how did Jesus teach us to pray? I am certain that at some point we have all been encouraged to pray. I'm confident that at some point in our Christian walk we have all been encouraged and been uh, uh, pointed toward having a, 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 a solid and committed prayer life. I'm confident that we've heard sermons about the power and the attributes of prayer. I mean, we know there is power in our prayers. Amen. So when the Holy Spirit began to bring this to my heart and began to bring it to my mind, I, I thought, Lord, we have been here before. But I tell you just as confidently as I know we have heard sermons on prayer, I tell you just as confidently that the Holy Spirit brought me to this passage. And I believe that God desires to challenge and encourage us to develop a more consistent and unwavering life of prayer. In this series, I want us to consider the incredible privilege That we have given to us as children of God to be able to come to the Lord in prayer. I want us to consider the immeasurable power and authority that has been extended to us through the gift of prayer. I want us to contemplate the extraordinary and astonishing possibilities that belong to each one of us, not just to the ministry or just for the pastor, but to each one of us. If we will dedicate ourselves to prayer, Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 11 and verse number 22, Jesus tells us these words. He says, have faith in God. And literally in the Greek, he's saying, have the faith of God. Have faith in God. And then he goes on to say, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says." And then he says in verse 24, because verse 22 and verse 23 are a reality, he says in verse 24, therefore I say unto you that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I mean, if you know, there's a lot of potential in those words right there. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you will find, knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asks receives and everyone that seeks finds and to everyone that knocks, it shall be opened unto them. Again, he says in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22, he says, and all things. All things whatsoever you will ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. All things. Understand this morning, those are not my words. Those are the words of the Son of God. They're the words of Jesus, not just to me, not just to his disciples, but to those that believe, to you. All things, not some things, but all things. How many of you realize that that is tremendous potential? Hello? That's, I mean, that's actually pretty amazing. That is exceptional and enormously empowering when we think about prayer. He says, all things that you will ask, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. That's potential this morning. I would submit that we need to remember and we need to recognize the extraordinary power and the extraordinary potential that is just waiting to be activated in our lives if we will dedicate ourselves to prayer. And it's amazing to me that the children of God know that we need to be a people of prayer and yet we often do very little of it. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. Hello? Amen. I would submit to you that there is extraordinary potential if we call upon the name of the Lord in consistency. Amen. Believing in whom we have believed and trusting in whom we have believing having a consistent prayer life will bring extraordinary opportunities into our life. And you may be thinking, but Pastor Gary, that was Jesus who could do all of those things through those prayers that he prayed. But let me just tell you, it was the same Jesus that said those things that also said this in John chapter 14 and verse 12. You might want to underline this. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you that he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he also do. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you will ask in my name, he says, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if that wasn't good enough, he says in verse 14, and ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Mm. James chapter six or chapter five, verse 16, we could all quote the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that doesn't just mean gender. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous individual, a man or a woman, amen, a righteous individual, amen, avails much. The Bible says in the next verse, Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. Uh, In other words, Elijah was just like we are, and yet he prayed that it would not rain on the face of the earth, and the Bible said that it didn't rain for three years and six months. I mean, we know that's power. That's potential. Understand that both James and Jesus are telling us that a man or a woman who dwells in right standing with God can pray and it will have a great impact upon the situation that they are facing. How many of you here this morning are facing some situations that need divine intervention? Pray, pray. The scriptures that we have read together this morning tell us that Jesus had just finished praying. Oftentimes, throughout the word of God, you will find that he had prayed all night. He told his disciples, pray that you enter not into temptation. And here in our text, we find that Jesus begins to teach his disciples concerning prayer. They come to him after he had finished praying and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, that struck me when the Lord brought me to this setting of scripture because how many of you know they were Jewish men? They were men of prayer. In fact, they were required to pray at least three times a day according to the law. They were to pray morning, noon, and night. They were men of prayer. But they must have saw something in the prayer life of Jesus that wanted them to have a hunger or have a desire to learn to pray as he prayed. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Amen, there was something about the prayer life of Jesus that had caught their attention. There was something about the manifestation of the power of God through the prayers of Christ that brought such astounding results that they had to inquire, Lord, teach us to pray the way you pray. Undoubtedly, his disciples had seen the results And they come to him desiring to learn how to pray. And the first thing that I want you to notice this morning, I could have just read, you know, the the scriptures in Matthew, but I wanted Luke had a little bit different take on it. I wanted you to see that. So uh, the first thing that I want you to notice about uh, prayer this morning is the fact it's found in Luke chapter uh, 11, verse 2. Jesus says to them, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. And when he ceased, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And this was Jesus's response. In Luke chapter 11, verse 2, he said unto them, and when you pray, and when you pray. What I want you to notice is that Jesus says, When. Not if. He doesn't say if you pray. He doesn't say should you decide to pray. He doesn't say if you ever feel like praying. He doesn't say if you ever think about prayer. He says when you pray. In other words, he's stating the obvious. Amen. We are supposed to be a people of prayer. We are supposed to be a people who call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. How can we have a relationship with someone if we never talk to them? Hello? Try that around the house and see how far that gets you. (laughs) Amen. How can you have a relationship with someone if you never converse with them? Understand this morning, church, uh, that prayer is both a privilege and an obligation. Understand that prayer is both an opportunity and a responsibility. He doesn't say, if you ever decide to pray, if you ever come up against a need and you need to pray. He said, no, when you pray. It's an obligation. It is a privilege and a a responsibility. Listen to Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Jesus, the Bible says, spake a parable unto his disciples unto this end. And he says, men ought always to pray. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Colossians 4 and 2 says continue in prayer and watch in the same. In other words continue in prayer and watch in prayer. Amen. And with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says pray without ceasing. 1 Timothy 2 and 8 says I would that therefore that men everywhere would pray and lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubt unto the Lord. Amen. All of these scriptures are teaching us that we are to be a people of prayer. It's not a matter of if we pray or should we pray. It's a matter of when we pray. And that's the first thing that I want you to see this morning. Amen. In the in the words that followed, Jesus began to open unto them a pattern for prayer. Understand that the Lord's prayer is not just a prayer to be memorized and quoted from memory. It is, it is a framework, if you will. It is a framework around which we are to build our own prayers. They said, "Teach us to pray." And Jesus, the words that He spoke, He meant it was a pattern or a template of how we are to, uh, uh, how we ourselves are to build our own prayers unto the Lord. In other words, it is a we are to pray according to this pattern. And over the course of the next few weeks, I want to take that pattern and break it down or dismantle it phrase by phrase. And it is my hope that we can at least take away when this series is over that we can take away at least two things that we can have a deeper understanding of prayer. And number two, that we will walk away with a greater desire to be a prayer warrior for God. Amen. So this morning I want to take a, I want to take a close look at the first six words of his prayer. He you say, You're gonna preach on the first six words. I'm going I'm to endeavor to. Those first six words are our Father which art in heaven. It's only six short words, but they are so powerful and they are so filled with truth. I, 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 had, I have never studied this the way the Holy Spirit brought it to my attention this past week. But I'm saying this morning that successful prayer begins with resting in our relationship. Let that sink in. Successful prayer rests in our relationship. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that successful prayer starts with right relation, with right relationship. Our Father, which art in heaven. Consider with me this morning those few words. The first thing that I want to point out in those first six words is the first thing that it reveals is that it reveals our relationship with our God. Amen. The prayer starts off with a powerful and precious truth. Knowing that God is our Father is what gives us the confidence to be able to go to him boldly Trusting that he is concerned about our needs. How many of you earthly fathers, if your children come to you with need, you do everything in your power to make sure that that need is taken care of? Well, that's because we are in relationship with our children. Amen. This is the ground upon which we may approach him with our prayers. He is our father. The scripture tells us in James chapter one and verse number 16, the Bible said, do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And listen to verse 18. Of his own will, he begat us. Of his own will, he begat us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation or his creatures. John chapter 15, verse 16, the Bible says, you have not chosen me, but I chose you amen I ordained that you would go forth and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 through 5 it says blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world amen that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined, amen, us. He predestined us for adoption as sons uh, through Jesus Christ. Uh, All of those scriptures are telling us, uh, amen, that it was God's idea to bring us into relationship with himself. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't your idea. It was God's idea to reach out to you and to me. He birthed us. He begat us. Himself, He begat us by his own will. He chose us in him from the foundation of the world. He predestined us for adoption to, amen, through Christ Jesus. In other words, amen, we are in a relationship with God, our Father, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what he has done. We need to understand that we are born again by the blood of Christ and we become a brand new creation and a brand new creature and heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we become the sons and the daughters of the most high God and he becomes our father, our father who art in heaven. Successful prayer starts with understanding who he is and who I am. Amen. I can come to my father and make my needs known and I know that my father loves and cares and he is not limited in his resources. Mm. Hallelujah. Most ancient religions could never conceive of God being a father. They could not conceive of God as being a father. The Jews understood it better than most, but even the Jews had many different names for God. Let me give you an example. If a person needed provision or material blessings, they would pray to Jehovah Jireh which means the Lord will provide. If they were anxious, they would call upon Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is my peace. If they were lonely or they were afraid, they might call upon Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there. If they needed leadership or direction in their life, they would call upon Jehovah Rohi, which means the Lord, my shepherd. If they were in need of healing in their body, if they were sick, they would call upon Jehovah Rafi because it means the Lord is my healer. And when Jesus began to instruct his disciples how they should pray, he said, you can forget all of those other names, uh, amen, because those are just uh, some of his attributes, uh, amen. He is our Father who art in heaven. Forget the formulas, uh, forget the complexities, forget, amen, the uh, 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 intricate, uh, I can't even say the word, the intricate names uh, that he's known by. uh, Yes, he is Jehovah Jireh, yes. He is Jehovah Shammah Yes He is Jehovah Rapha Yes He is Jehovah Shalom But he is our father All of those things Come down to one thing He is our father God said to the children of Israel He called them into relationship Just as he has called us This is what he said to the children of Israel In Isaiah 43 and 1 It said, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee. Thus saith the Lord that created thee. O Jacob, O Israel, and he that formed thee, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, and thou art mine. You are his this morning. You belong to him. Hey Amen. I remember when my boys were all little and we'd go down to the Cherry Festival and there's people everywhere, you know? And I'd get a hold of my boy's hand and mama would have a hold of their hands and we'd be walking along there. <laughs> you know, somebody bump into him. I'm like, hey, 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 you watch out. That boy's mine. You hear what I'm saying? You are his. He called you by name, brought you into his kingdom. Thank God we can rest this morning in our relationship knowing that when we call upon him, he hears us and he loves us and he cares for us because we are his children. And the Bible said we are the sheep of his pasture. We are his. So our father, it speaks of relationship. Secondly, those six words speak about reality. The next two words, our father, which art, Which art, those two words, the Holy Spirit just stopped me when I was reading and the Holy Spirit just stopped me and said, which art, which art in heaven, they are filled with glory and wonder. Which art, which is. They remind us that we serve a God that is not a figment of our imagination, but he's real. Who art in heaven. You are in him. They remind us that we serve a God that is not just a fabricated man-made idea. They remind us that we serve a God that is not just being a, a manufactured being in our mind, but church, we serve the great I am. He is, he always has been, and he always will be who are? In heaven, we serve the God who is, not which was or not which is or which shall be. He is not a God who was and who is no more. He is not a God who will someday be, but He is a God who has always been. He is right now. He is the same. The Bible said yesterday and forever. The Bible says uh, that He is Alpha and Omega, He is eternally. Self existent. We serve a God who is unchanging from eternity past unto eternity future. We serve a God who is called the Ancient of Days. We serve a God who is called the Rock of Ages. We serve a God who is called Elohim, which means the everlasting eternal God. Amen. From eternity past unto eternity future. He is and always will be God who art in heaven right now. And since he is real and since he changes not and since we are in relationship with him, we can come before the throne of grace boldly and confidently knowing that he is And that he is concerned about our needs. Since he is God and he changes not, we can come confidently resting in the reality that he is. I want to tell you this morning that prayer is not a futile spiritual exercise. Prayer is not just the tradition of men. Prayer is not just sending up words into the thin air, but prayer is a privilege for those who are called to be the children of the most high God. And prayer is a reality because our God is a reality. The next time you bow your head to pray, remember who you are. Remember who our God is to you. Remember that he is your father and remember that he is, uh, amen. Still upon his throne, and whatever he ever has been, he still is right now. Mm. You have a red sea that needs to be part? Hey, amen. He just might part it for you. Hello? You have a need in your life, he's capable of meeting that need. Amen. He is our God who is in heaven. The third thing that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart about, it speaks to us about realization. When the Bible says that God dwells in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, it's telling us that he occupies, he occupies a place of glory majesty, honor, and power. We are here upon this earth. But since he is in heaven, he is above the evils and the problems of this world. Since he is in heaven, he is positioned in a place, amen, of power and to respond to our position, our petitions. He is is in heaven and he's in a position to be exalted and honored by those who dwell here on this earth. Since he dwells in heaven, since he dwells in a place of glory and honor and majesty, we should enter his presence humbly (laughs) because he is holy. Amen. Since he dwells in a place of glory and honor, we should enter his presence confidently because we know that he is faithful who promised amen we should enter his presence worshipfully because he is worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship we should enter his presence with awe and wonder amen in our hearts because he is mighty and he is a strong tower amen to which we can run and find safety and find grace and help in a time of our trouble amen think about it this morning when we go before him he is seated upon his throne and Nothing will ever shake him. Amen. The words in help us or in heaven help us to understand that he's not of this world. He is high and lifted up. The words in heaven help us to understand that we are restricted and limited, but he is not. Amen. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14. The scripture asks a question. In fact, it was the Lord, the angel of the Lord that asked the question. Genesis 18 and 14. He's sitting in the tent with Abraham. Said, Sarah's going to have a baby about this time according to the time of life. And Sarah laughed. Said, shall I have a child when my husband is old and I am old? And here's what the angel of the Lord said. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is found in Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. It says, "Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and thy stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 18 and verse number 17. He says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. When we pray, we need to come to him in faith, believing, understanding who we are, who he is in reverence and in humble obedience. Amen. And come to him with confidence, knowing that he is our father, that he is a reality and that he is seated upon his throne in heaven and come to him, amen, boldly believing him for whatever we have need of. He sees everything. He knows everything. He hears everything. He is high and lifted up. And amen, let me tell you, and nothing in this world will ever unseat him. Rulers in this world will come and go, but he, he is God, and he still sits upon his throne this morning. Hmm hallelujah and when we pray we are privileged to leave the burdens of this world behind and enter into his divine presence when we pray we are afforded the opportunity to step out of our reality and into his reality I mean, we we have a problem in our life, and we are looking at it from the ground up, and it looks like a mountain. It looks like an impossibility. If we start looking at it from God's perspective and God's reality, it don't look so big. How can I help you? The Rocky Mountains are really cool from the bottom up, but they ain't all that hot at 36,000 feet. Hello? I'm saying it's a matter of perspective. Our reality changes. Amen. Prayer affords us the opportunity to step into his reality. The old hymn sings, oh what peace we often forfeit all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I tell you this morning when you go to prayer, understand that he is the all powerful almighty God and he is your father. He is a reality and realize uh, that he is concerned about you. The fourth thing that I want to talk about this morning before we close quickly. The fourth thing that it speaks to me, it speaks about responsibility. Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. It speaks about realities. Notice that he is our Father and not my Father. Notice that he is our father and not just your father. He is our father. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and that's what makes us part of the family of God. Amen. He is our father. That's what makes us a family in him. He's not just my father, he's your father. He's our father. It reminds us that when we pray, we have a responsibility to pray, not just for our four and no more, but for the entire family. The entire family of God. Pastor Gary, what do you mean? Beloved, it means that we have a responsibility to pray for one another. We have a responsibility to lift one another up in prayer. We have a responsibility to become our brother's keeper. Hello? Someone told me here just a couple of Sundays ago, I pray for you every morning. And I can't tell you how it blessed me. I mean, many times when we come to the Lord in prayer, we just bring to him our needs. We bring to him our concerns. We bring to him our desires. And in reality, when we come to him, we should come to him, amen, praying for our brothers and our sisters and our family members. And when one rejoices, we rejoice with him. And when one is hurting, we hurt with him, amen, and we hold them up in prayer and we lift them up because we are all part of the family. He is our father, not my father, not your father, but our father, which art in heaven. We are to carry one another's burdens to the throne room of God. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 said, Bear ye one another's burdens. Bear ye one another, one another's burdens. And so, fill, so fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love. Philippians chapter 2 and 4 said, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also upon the things of others. Isn't it, isn't it amazing we get so caught up in our thing that often we overlook the things or the needs of others? Can I just tell you something this morning that if we will be more concerned about the needs of others, I promise you the God that sees that concern will take care of our needs. Hello? 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 I mean, the God that sees our concern for someone else will see the concern in our own life. Philippians, look not every man to his own thing, but on the needs, or the, look every man also on the things of others, on the needs of others. Romans chapter 12 and verse 15 and verse 16 says, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that we be of the same mind toward one another. Successful prayer, successful prayer comes by reaching out to the Lord for the needs of others who are around us. We need to remember that when we pray, our prayers should be unselfish and not self-centered. We have a responsibility to lift up others in prayer. We have a responsibility to pray for the needs and the desires of our family members. I can rest in prayer when I uphold my responsibility to pray for others. I can rest in prayer when I uphold my responsibility to pray for what is best for for the family of God. Amen. God honors us when we, when we come and we pray and we ask him to minister to the needs of others. God will recognize the needs in our own life. Six words this morning. Our Father, which art in heaven, they speak to us about relationships. They speak to us about the reality of who God is. They speak to us about the realization of where he dwells and about the responsibility that it brings to us. From from this moment forward, I encourage you when you kneel before the Lord or you take yourself to prayer, remember the relationship that you are in He is a loving father who loves you and begat you by his own will. You are not a bastard child. You are his by divine calling. He's concerned about you. He knows you by name. He called you by name. And the reality is that he is God. And the realization is that there is no limitations upon him. There is power and potential in prayer waiting to be unleashed when we come to him in that mindset or in that manner. This morning, I just want you to bow your heads and we're going to close And I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit will cause us to have desire to have a more substantial prayer life. Amen. Resting in that relationship. Lord, I come. Resting in that relationship of who you are and who I am in you. I come, I am one of yours. I am your child, I am your son. I thank you, oh God, for the revelation of your word. I thank you, oh God, for calling us by our name and bringing us into an intimate and personal relationship with you. I am grateful this morning, O Father, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that I sensed as I preached what you have placed on my heart. I pray, O God, that the words will only stir our spirit and cause us to recognize that we need to be a people of prayer, that we need not wait until trouble comes to pray, But we need to stir ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying, amen, in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit. We need to stir ourselves up. And we need to become avid, dedicated, consecrated, consistent prayer warriors. Calling upon the name of our God. You said in your word, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal. Oh God, I will heal their land. Lord, help us to understand that prayer is a privilege and a responsibility calls us to be more consistent in our prayer life. Call us to prayer. Call us to prayer. Help us to understand the benefits and the reality of the power of prayer. In Jesus' name, I ask. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I, I just want you to know this morning, I don't, I don't know how long this series is going to go, but I have more than I feel like I need to say. But I want you to understand that I believe with all of my heart that God is asking us to stir ourselves up and to become the prayer warriors that he intends for his church to be. If you're here this morning and you would just lift your hand and say, Lord, you have my attention. Just lift your hand and say, Lord, you you have my attention. Oh. My, my. I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm feeling a stir of the Holy Spirit. Some of us, oh, Jesus, help me. Some of us have played church long enough. Some of us have just prayed erratically, sporadically. God's saying, no, 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 no. No, if you want to see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, you want to see the power of God move. You want to see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Pray. Pray. Seek my faith. Call upon me while I am near it. I will hear. Mm. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. In Jesus' name I ask. In Jesus' name I ask. Stand to your feet and just lift your hands and worship him. Come again next week. Amen. Go ahead and sing.